This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Roger Royce is a renowned lawyer associated with the prestigious law firm Haynes and Boone. He is also the author of critically acclaimed books and research papers. Roger is a frequent speaker, panelist, and moderator for countless events. He is the radio host with popular shows such as the Silicon Valley Impact. On the humanitarian side, Roger Royce is the founder of the Royce Foundation and the philanthropic organization Team Motion to Dismiss Cancer. Here is his keynote on the occasion of Tall World Kindness Day in which he spoke elaborately about the world food situation and ESG on agriculture. Hello everybody, I'm Roger Royce. I'm a partner with the law firm of Haynes Boone here in Palo Alto. I work with technology companies, but I'm not here to talk to you about that. I'm here to talk to you about agriculture technology. Now, as you know, the Tell Foundation believes that by helping people, we can improve society. I'm going to tell you a way today that we can help improve the world, and it's going to surprise you. So let me, let me first just say that there's been plenty of talk about food insecurity in the world. Uh, by one estimate, 30% of our world's population suffers some form of food insecurity, meaning they don't have enough. They can't get enough nutrition. And at the rate we're going, that problem is only going to get bigger. Uh, and I will tell you why. It's because land is being taken out of production and population is increasing. That's not what I'm going to address now. I'm going to come back to that later. Uh, I want to talk more about agriculture generally. Now, I'm from an agricultural area. I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in North Dakota. My family was in an agricultural business. Uh, so I understand this business a little bit. So... Even though I love agriculture and I am pro-farmer, I got to tell you there's some real problems with the way agriculture is done. And it takes me back to when I was a kid, when uh, I lived for a time on, on the Minnesota-North Dakota border, I used to go fishing in the Red River, which runs north. And I'd have to call the fish and game department to find out if I could eat the fish that day that I caught out of that river, because there's so many nitrates in the water. It's a little better now. Uh, but still, you can go on, online and you can read about it. Uh, you still have to worry. There's, there's nitrates, which come from agricultural runoff. There's um, arsenic, believe it or not. There's PCBs. So there's some bad stuff going into the water. In that particular river, it dumps into Lake Winnipeg, so we export the problem to Canada. Uh, but we have other rivers that run south. And the, in the Gulf Coast, in the Gulf, Mexico, there was this area, it's 6,300 square miles that they called the dead zone. 6,300 square miles where nothing can grow because of oxygen deprivation. And most of that, not all of it, some of it's manufacturing, but a lot of that is agricultural runoff. That's a big problem. And by the way, that 6,300 square miles is getting bigger. Okay, that problem is getting bigger. So let me tell you about the other problems we have. Secondly, climate change. Do you know that agriculture is responsible conservatively for about 12% of our greenhouse gas emissions? Of that, 3%, think about this, 3% of our greenhouse gas emissions come from the cattle industry. In fact, I heard Mayor Sam Licardo from San Jose say just this week that if we took the billion head of cattle in the world and made them their own country, they'd be the third biggest polluter, the big, third biggest contributor to climate the greenhouse gases in the world, right behind the United States and China, okay? Um, I'm going I'm to tell you the solution to that in a minute, but I want to highlight the problem. And of course, the third problem I want to highlight is water, all right? Agriculture uses about 70% of the water in this country. In California, it's about 80%. 
It's a big user of water. You'd be surprised how much water it takes to create an almond. Okay? So, big issues, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that there are solutions. There absolutely are solutions. There's not a problem I mentioned there that can't be solved. Okay? So let's take them in reverse order of priority. Water. Uh, I run an ag tech group. I can tell you that I have seen precision agriculture cut water use like you wouldn't believe. Right? It cuts it way down because what precision agriculture does is it not only just irrigates the entire field and lets all that water run off, go to waste, or run back into the system, it can target just the exact amount of water that that root to that plant needs. I've seen it myself, it's out there, that technology exists and is in, is in use today, especially in the wine industry, by the way, which you've just heard quite a lot about. Um, robotics and AI, all those nitrates and pesticides and chemicals running into our waterway, there are companies now that solve that problem a couple of different ways. Uh, one company that's in our system called Blue River Technologies, acquired by John Deere, they will run down a field, it's a machine that goes down a field, and it'll identify the plants, is that, a, you know, is that friendly, is that a weed, or is that a plant? If it's a weed, it will basically zap it. And it can zap it with just a small amount of herbicide. The farmer in Texas told me one time that Blue River has cut their herbicide use by 96%. Think about that, okay, that's huge. So that technology is out there. Same thing with pesticides. By the way, speaking of pesticides, that's another problem. All the pesticides going into the ground. But there's technology now that's called microbials. In other words, we use just the natural defenses that plants have built up themselves to, uh, to repel invasive pests. Uh, there's another technology where from a satellite, believe it or not, these fields can be monitors and we can see signs of plant stress before it happens. So all of this reduces the chemical usage. Miss any problems here? Oh, the Grow Local movement. That's the other thing. This is very exciting. The technology is not there where it's economic yet. Okay, it's nobody's profitable in vertical farming. That's indoor farming, what they call controlled environment egg, where you build, you know, where you can grow plants inside. And some of the first ones started here in Silicon Valley. We're not quite there where it's profitable, but hundreds of millions of dollars are going into this because it will be someday. And once, and the Grow Local movement is a real thing. By the way, 27% of our greenhouse gases come from transportation. Imagine if we could cut that transportation. About half of all the food that's produced, especially here in California, gets wasted before it even gets to the consumer's table because of the problems in transport. So there are solutions that will solve every one of these problems. But I've got to tell you, there are some challenges. There are some challenges to this. I don't have to tell you about the impact on the supply chain due to the Ukraine war, the Russia-Ukraine war, but more direct, um, we have a real problem in the developing world. Do you know that two-thirds of the world's, I guess, poor, impoverished, food insecure people are in five countries, India being one of them, all right? Two-thirds of them. And in those places, very little gets spent on R&D, and there's a long reason for all this. Um, I, I read an article once where, where President Bill Clinton said that they made a big mistake during his administration when the World Bank decided to just give aid to poor countries instead of giving them the tools to create their own agricultural production. Well, that's changed because that aid stopped. And those countries had to either learn to farm 
or face massive starvation. And I've been to a lot of them, and I've seen food insecurity. It's hard, you won't believe it unless you saw it. So now they are quickly trying to implement these solutions, especially in India. Uh, the problem is, in the developing world, about half of 1% of GNP is going to R&D. In other parts of Southeast Asia, it's about three and a quarter percent. And even though uh, production has increased, it's actually doubled in the last several years, in other parts of Southeast Asia, it's six times as much. So it's not really catching up. And the biggest issue is that most of that tech, almost all of it, has to come from someplace else. Not always. I see a lot of good ag tech companies from India, but in other parts of the developing world, it has to come from someplace else. Now, here's the solution that I promised you. I said, how can you help? Uh, right here in Silicon Valley, I can tell you from having run an ag tech program here for the last 10 years, this is where a lot of that technology is being developed. And it's it's really, it will solve every one of these problems. It's being developed right here. But here's the surprising thing. It's being developed by startup companies, okay? Yeah, there are big companies. They're out there. And I've talked to all of them. But they've kind of realized, you know, just the way that the dynamics are among big publicly traded companies that have shareholders to report to, you can't really swing for the fences as much as a startup can. And the big companies are on a shopping spree. Right? They're buying up these small startup companies right here, coming up with these very cool novel solutions to solve these major problems. Now, I'm very optimistic. Uh, I think the day will come when, when I don't think we're going to have that food insecurity problem that the experts are warning us about in 2050. I think technology is going to solve that problem. And I think it's, a lot of it's going to come right here from Silicon Valley. A lot of it will become, will, will happen because of the support of the local angel and investment community. So if you want to know how you can help, just support ag tech, all right? Support ag tech companies and what you do, because this is where the solution is going to come. Again, I'm Roger Royce. I'm a partner with Haynes Boone. I'm a law firm. I work with startups, a lot of ag tech startups, as you might imagine, and also the venture capitalists that invest in them. I, and I, uh, like I say, like to give you the way that ag tech can save the world. So it takes about six pounds of plant to create one pound of meat, okay? And that puts a lot of stress on the system, especially now because big parts of the world are, are eating more and more meat, China in particular, okay? And that's why the problem is getting bigger because there's just you know, less food to go around and now more demands because of meat. Uh, about 68% of Americans identify as vegan and you'll hear a lot of people saying, you know, for, for animal rights and for environmental reasons and for the good of the world, we should all stop eating meat. You know, that's one way of looking at it. And um, I've been vegan for about six years. But a better way of looking at it, as it was explained to me by a venture capitalist, is that, look, you're not going to get people to quit. You're just not. What you can do is get them to just eat a little less. Right? Think about that. If you get people to eat meat, you know, five days a week instead of seven, well, that's like converting another 10% of the population to vegan. That cuts down that beef production quite a bit. So there are, there, there is, and, and the other thing you've kind of touched on is, is a major factor here is, is what I call consumerism. Consumers just being aware of what they're eating. They're being aware of where it comes from, how it impacts the world. Have you ever been, been on a Pete's coffee lately? My God, you buy a cup of coffee, you feel like you're saving the planet. You know, they tell you we've got slave-free trade, you know, we've got organic beans, we're doing all these good things. Consumers really want that now. And I blame the millennials because that's really where it's coming from.
We have a much different kind of consumer now, but that's a very good point. We used to find all these meats in the fast food restaurants, and people sort of tried it once, and then they didn't, right? And they went back to eating regular meat. And kind of the, the scuttlebutt is that, well, gee, this isn't very healthy for you because it's so much fat. But I don't think that's right. I think it is healthy for you. There's a little bit of fat, but it's plant fat, saturated fat. Uh, where, where we run into trouble is if you, if you process the plant so much that you lose all the nutrients. But I don't think that's happening. I think it's healthier than people will admit. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, plant protein. In fact, I think we're going to need it, especially places like China. I think we're just going to need it. Protein is so important to the, to the diet. Here's another factoid, the last one. Did you know that life expectancy, if you get too much protein, there's a correlation, reduced life expectancy with high protein up to about age 65. That's probably because it corresponds to increased calories. But after age 65, this data is pretty clear. More protein is longer life expectancy. So protein is really important, and I think a plant-based proteins are going to fill that gap. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.